Good morning, Redeemer Church of Dubai. Great to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Proverbs chapter 3, the passage there on your um, iPad or your phone or whatever you might have as a device or if you're carrying the scriptures. My name is Tom Wolf, and I have the joy of serving on the staff here at Redeemer Church of Dubai, so it's great to be able to bring you the word of God today. We're going to be preaching, as you've heard, from a familiar passage of scripture. So as a pastor who's been preaching for a while, that's either really dangerous or that's really fun, because there's a lot of context here that we understand. But I pray today as we move through the passage of scripture that your hearts will be encouraged and strengthened when we think about this idea of trusting in the Lord I want you to think about that in the context of trusting not only in a vertical way as we think about this relationship with the Lord, but also in a horizontal way and the relationships that we have and the relationships that we share together. Now, as a um, life coach and as a biblical counselor, it's all about asking open-ended questions. And open-ended questions have a way of making people express themselves and drawing things out of people. And then there are closed-in questions where are more like yes or no type of questions. So here's an example. Did you have a good day yesterday? So that's a closed-in question that basically says yes or no. Another way of asking that question is, how was your day yesterday? And then we can expose and, and offer more about our day yesterday. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. I'm gonna start out with five questions that I'm gonna ask you to record a response to, and it's gonna be a closed-in question, but when we get to the end, I trust it's an open-ended answer. So if you have a place in your bulletin or a place where you can jot down, we're gonna go through five of them. You simply just record. You don't have to write the answer to the question, or the, the question down, but just the answer to the question which is yes or, or no, and contemplate that as we think about it. Okay, question number one. Is there a fear and uncertainty in front of you because of someone that you don't trust? Question number two. Can the broken trust ever be restored? Can the broken trust ever be restored? Number three, are you worried and shaken in your faith? In essence, because of that distrust, what has it done to your faith? Question number four, is there a doubt in your heart of God's promises. And then the fifth question, are you praying anxiously for God's help? Now you've got those answers tucked away. Let's move through the passages together this morning. And then we'll come back to those questions at the end and consider maybe not only where I am in my walk with the Lord, but where I am in relationship to other believers and even unbelievers and how God might be, as the song says, speaking to us today. Some of us lack of trust in a marriage relationship. 
could be with children, job, health, finances. Let's listen to the Lord as he speaks today, shall we? Father, thank you for your word. I I pray, Father, that I would, as one of your servants, get out of the way of the text today, Lord. Pray it wouldn't be a a clever illustration or something cute or funny, but this would be about you and your work through your people, and particularly today at Redeemer, Lord. Never to be repeated, this next few moments we have together, speak, O Lord. Amen. So we've got our Bibles open to Proverbs chapter 3. Let me just look at the first word, the first verse here. Let me go ahead and read through the entire passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will, as the text says, make straight your path. So let's start at the end. Let's begin with the, the beginning with the end. And look at the end of verse 6, which says, he will make straight your paths, your paths. And so what we have here in the scriptures is what we call a cause and effect, meaning, meaning that there's a principle here that God is teaching us in which Solomon in the text gives us the response to what it is that he said earlier. You do this, and this is a response to what God will do. And so the idea is that I won't veer off the straight path, that I will follow the Lord, I will seek the Lord, I will allow the Lord to guide my heart in such a way that I will follow after him. I'll be on a straight path as I come after him. And so that's the conclusion to what Solomon's getting at. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and then God will direct your path, a path of obedience. And so prior to that, then, what we're gonna look at this morning is Solomon basically gives us three commands or three verbs, three action things that he desires for us to do so that I won't veer off the straight path, that I will follow the Lord. Otherwise, it's gonna be a crooked path, the path that at the end will make no sense or have the Lord directing those steps. In the year 1678, a long way, a long time ago. The book Pilgrim's Progress was written by John Bunyan. And it's a Christian allegory that many of us are familiar with. Maybe some of you have read it. Maybe most of you have read it. But it's regarded as one of the most significant fiction English literature that's out there. I was recently listening to a message by Alistair Begg, the Scottish pastor Alistair Begg, in which he was describing a little bit of the story from Pilgrim's Progress. I'm gonna read that for us as a context as we think about this. It goes like this. There's a part in the book in which the readers of Pilgrim's Progress will immediately recognize. It's the part of the journey where Christian and hopeful are talking with one another. And Christian becomes aware of the fact that the path is just too rough for his liking and his feet are beginning to become sore. And as a result of this, he has become somewhat discouraged. And he begins to think that perhaps there may be a smoother path in which they would be able to walk. And soon enough, they find a pleasant little field, and it's called Bypath Meadow. And so, 
says Christian to Hopeful. Let us step aside into it and walk there. Perhaps we will find that this smooth path, which follows to the right, will be more, a more difficult one, will actually be to our benefit, the idea of going to this other path, to which Hopeful replies, but what if this path should lead us out of the way? To which Christian responds, that's, that's, that's not likely. That's not likely. Well, little did he know, because they begin to make their way along this smoother path, that they see somebody up ahead of them, and they call up to the individual whose name is Vain Confidence. Mr. Vain Confidence, where are you going, they asked, and he says, oh, I'm going to the celestial city. And thereupon, he loses his way, falls into a deep pit, and is never to be heard from again. Meanwhile, the weather begins to deteriorate, and they're overwhelmed in their journey, and so they lie down to sleep, only to awaken to discover that they've fallen asleep on the property owned by giant despair. And giant despair then takes them into his custody, into his castle, which is called Doubting Castle. And as a result of that, Christian and Hopeful found themselves in a dark, nasty, stinky dungeon, quote, far from friends in a hopeless and miserable condition, unquote. And Christian then observes this, listen. Who would have thought that this path so pleasant would lead us astray? I think Proverbs 3 is speaking to the very context of that story from Pilgrim's Progress that we have a desire to follow after the Lord. And so if you look up in verse one of Proverbs three, that's what Solomon is doing. I think there's at least seven or eight different times that Solomon refers to, as he refers in verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And here then he gives specific commandments to his son about how to follow the Lord to stay on not necessarily a smooth path, but on the path that the Lord has for you. And so these are the commands. We're gonna do three of them. You will have them memorized by the time we leave. There will be a quiz at the end to see how well you do. Here's the first word, and it starts in verse five. The first word is trust. Say that with me. Trust, a little bit louder. The first word is trust in the Lord. It says in the text with all of your heart. So our first word we look at is the idea of trust. But trust, trust who? The text says that we're to trust in the Lord. Now I don't know about you, but there's, there's a common phrase that we as believers do, and we'll just say, uh, brother, you just, need to, you just need to trust the Lord, you know, or sister, you just need to trust the things of God. And it's almost like this little flippant kind of casual cliche thing that we say to other believers. And it's not that it's improper, there's good theology in that, but it's like do we understand and comprehend the magnitude of what it is that we're asking somebody to do? To trust in the Lord. It's almost like, well, go brush your teeth, you know? And you won't have any cavities, things will go well for you. Just eat an apple a day and the doctor will stay away. Kind of this, just trust God. 
There's something much deeper happening in the text here. Not to make it sound so simple, but it's really difficult in a lot of ways to trust the Lord when the path doesn't seem so straight or the path doesn't seem so smooth. It wasn't that long ago that we all flipped our diaries and our calendar. We moved into a new year, 2023. February's almost over. We're two months into the into the new year, and yet I'm still reflecting a lot on what happened in 2022. My wife and I, with our four daughters, have been in ministry for 25 years. I think I can honestly look back at 2022 and say it was probably one of the toughest years of those 25. Some of you would reflect back on 2022 and you'd say, I had no idea the Lord was gonna bring me this and he did. And I'm telling you, Tom, I'm telling you it was hard. It was difficult. I was looking for a smooth path, man. I'm telling you, I couldn't find a smooth path. And we at Redeemer Church of Dubai, we're not exempt from that, right? We as a church went through, went through some difficulty in 2022. It's a real thing that we as believers encounter difficult times. In my quiet time last year, in an effort to try to resolve what God was doing, I started reading a book by Jerry Bridges called, Is God Really in Control? (laughs) I know my theology says that God is in control, but I wasn't having life experiences where I felt like God was in control because I wanted to shout to him, it feels like it's out of control, what are you doing? It was in there that Jerry Bridges, who's so gospel-oriented and so scripturally oriented, this is a paragraph I read in there that I want to share with you. In the arena of adversity, the scriptures teach us three essential truths about God's truths. We must believe if we are to trust him in adversity. They are, God is completely sovereign, God is infinite in wisdom. God is perfect in love. And he goes on to say this. I spent a good portion of my adult life encouraging people to pursue holiness, to obey God. Now watch this last sentence. Yet I acknowledge that that it often seems difficult to trust God than to obey God. You could be doing everything that feels like, and you know you're not getting everything right. I was doing the right things in 2022. I, was, I felt like I was obeying the Lord. I was being faithful to the Lord. And yet, I think Jerry Bridges is right. It wasn't my obedience that was struggling. It was my trust factor that was struggling to know what God was doing and how he was working. Now, in most Hebrew contexts, This idea of trust carries the idea of feeling safe and secure. Here's actually the translation of that word in our Bible. could be translated this, to believe. To believe in God with all of your heart. To have confidence in God with all of your heart. And you could translate it to feel safe in the Lord. Sometimes we mentally and emotionally look at this and we think, I don't, I don't really know how to, how to do that, Tom. I'm, I'm finding myself in a difficult spot. The Arabic word that's used here gives the idea of casting all hopes 
on another. It means to emotionally and physically just throw, mentally throw yourself to the ground, face down, and acknowledge in full trust who he is. So a question for you. Verse five says, trust in the Lord. The word Lord there is the word Yahweh. You know that to be true. This is about the Israel covenant keeping God, Lord. So I want you to think about this this morning in the context of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from this text that the idea is that I'm to trust God, but let me ask you a question. Let me just get a little, make you just a little bit uncomfortable. So if you want to squirm a little bit, just buckle down, get the seatbelt on, sit tight. And answer the question, who don't you trust? And then why, why don't you trust them? Who don't you trust? And why don't you trust them? Now here's, here's something, if you don't get anything out of today, listen to this part right here. God is not like them. Amen? He's, he's, he's not like them. And as followers of Jesus, we've created a theology on a horizontal level that says, based on my experiences, based on what I feel, based on what I'm expressing, based on what I'm experiencing, that's what trust looks like. God says, that's not what trust looks like at all. They will let you down. All my promises are true. I will never forsake you. I will never let you down. You can trust me. It's a different kind of trust. You may come from a situation where you were abused. Your mate ran out on you. The people you were counting on and depending on simply just weren't there for you. He's, he's not like that. That's not, that's not who he is. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, it says. Move on to that part about the heart because the heart in the, in the language speaks about emotions and intellect and understanding and discernment and reflection and will. So when we read in the text, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Notice what the text does not say. Trust the Lord and follow your heart. Now, follow your heart is a modern day, well, maybe it's not even a modern day, it's an old, old phrase or an old creed that embraces the concept that the heart is like a compass inside of you. And you can follow, you can trust your heart, you can follow your heart because your heart knows what's right. What you feel makes it right and you can pursue that. Matter of fact, there are books, movies, songs, built around this creed of following your heart, it's actually, in essence, a false gospel. If you lead your heart undirected by God, your heart will lead you astray. Will lead you astray. One of, um, a movie that I've enjoyed watching, if you don't like the movie, please don't come up and tell me afterwards, okay? Um, it's a movie about um, Pirates of the Caribbean, how many of you ever seen the movie Pirates of the Caribbean? Anybody ever seen the movie? Okay, at least 10 of you now will understand the illustration. Okay, so in the, in the movie, there's a, the, the, the lead character is a guy by the name of Captain Jack Sparrow. And he's this pirate in the movie, right? Some of you are looking at me like, hey, I, I know Jack Sparrow. 
Well, in the movie, Jack is trying to help this young lady named Elizabeth find her way back really to a guy named Will, who she wants to marry, but it's, it's not going to work. And so Jack is going to help her. Jack's going to help her find Will. And so he pulls out his compass. So I, I have a compass. This is Tom's compass. It's not Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow's. This is Tom's. And so in my compass, I, I have the idea that I can use my compass to figure out which way north is. Okay, so let's do a little quiz here this morning and try to figure out, based on what you know about where you're sitting, if you're directionally challenged on this, well, you, can, you, can, you can claim idle, you can, you can not do this, but I want everybody to participate if you can. All right, I want everybody in our worship center to point to which way north is, which way is north. Okay, hold them up there. Okay, hold your hands up just a little bit longer. Everybody who hasn't voted, go ahead and take a shot at it. Go ahead and hold your hand up and point to which way north is. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, you can put your hands down. It, it, the, the illustration works because none of you, none of you are pointing in the same direction. You, you are pointing all over the place, going different directions. Your heart... Like Captain Jack Sparrow's compass. His compass was broke. And the context of that, that, that scene in the movie is what Jack's communicating is your heart will point you in whatever direction you want it to point you to. And so he'd pull out his broken compass and he would point it this way and it was whatever way he wanted to go. That's the way, that's the way he went because it was a broken compass. My heart is a broken compass. It was never designed, it was never created, it was never created in such a way that I could direct myself where I wanted to go. It's the idea that my heart needs to be led by God. I love what Pastor Dave's been teaching us the last couple of weeks. The heart of our problem is the problem of our heart. John Bloom writes about the heart. Your heart has likely said things today that you would wish not to, you, you would not wish to repeat. I know mine has. My heart tells me that all of reality ought to serve my desires. My heart likes to think the best of me and the worst of others unless those others happen to think well of me. Then they're wonderful people. But if they don't think well of me, or even if they just disagree with me, well, then something must be wrong with them. And while my heart is ponder pondering, pondering my virtues and others' errors, it suddenly finds some immoral and horribly angry thought very attractive. The scriptures are clear. A couple examples of this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's Jeremiah 17, 9. The great physician, Jesus Christ, lists the grim symptoms of the disease of the heart. In Matthew 15, 19, he says it like this. Out of the heart will come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Point number one is to trust. Trust. I don't remember who said this, but I, I remember it. 
Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led by God. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led by God. That's what Solomon's given counsel to his son. That's the counsel that God's giving to us today to trust him. Our first word is, say it out loud, trust. Okay, let's go to our second word then and look at this second word, and we'll call the second word lean. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So the idea is not to lean on our understanding. Lean on God means to, in essence, not lean on myself or become, as some of us do or try to do, become self-reliant. I like what John Piper says, if you trust God, renounce self-alliance and bring into every life situation, he is going to make your path straight Just say to yourself, self, you are inadequate. Brain, you can't come up with enough wisdom on your own. You have to turn away from self-reliance. Of course, that doesn't mean that you don't think and you don't plan. It just means that you don't bank on it. As followers of Christ, even as followers of Christ, with the Spirit of God living in us, there's a strong propensity There's a strong desire to know all things and be able to judge all things and control all things. In essence, we live in a world that's uncontrollable. We have no certainty about tomorrow outside of the promises of God that he has given us. And as a result, when we're on this path, like Christian and hopeful, Sometimes the path looks confusing to us. Sometimes the path doesn't make sense. But in my mind, in my heart, I want it to make sense. I want to know, I want to know that this is the right path that God has me on. And yet we often find ourselves in our own pride leading to selfish, narrow-minded conclusions about what God's doing. So the passage is getting at the, at the, at the thought here that I want you to trust me, and I want you to also understand that you don't have enough knowledge or insight to trust yourself. It won't make sense to you. You don't have to rely on your own heart to understand that. And so as a result, sometimes what we do is we we move away from what we think God is doing because we're going to take matters into our own hands. We're going to make things right, or at least we're going to make it smooth because I don't like rocky roads. I don't like hard paths. It becomes difficult to follow the Lord. This word understanding, I I counted at least eight times it comes up in the book of Proverbs. Because what I want us to see is that God wants us to have understanding. Let me give you an example of just a few of them. Incline your heart to understanding, Proverbs 2.2. Proverbs 2.3 then says, Raise your voice for understanding. Proverbs 2, verse 11 says, understanding will guard you. Chapter 3, verse 13 says, blesses the one who gets understanding. So the scriptures are teaching us that we need to have understanding. The key to this passage of scripture is understanding that it's not my own understanding, but it's the understanding of the Lord that we desire to understand, not our reasoning, but his reasoning. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon says it like this, 
Providence is wonderfully intricate. Ah, you want to always see through Providence, do you not? You never will, I assure you. You have not eyes good enough. You want to see what good that affliction was to you. You must believe it. You want to see how it can bring good to your soul. You may be enabled in a little time, but you cannot see it now. You must believe, honor God by trusting in him. My wife and I spent 20 years ministering in Africa, in the southern part of Africa, in South Africa, and Mozambique, and Tanzania. And one of the trips back, we have four daughters, and the oldest one had made a trip back from university and brought a friend with her. And so they were home for just a, just a short while. And so where we live in the area of Cape Town were some huge, the Cape Town is surrounded by beautiful mountains and sea. And there was a, a, a mountain in our community called the Helderberg Mountain. We could see it, almost see it from our house. And it was about a three hour hike, a trek to the top of the Helderberg Mountain, which meant that you can probably calculate about two thirds of that time to get back down. So my, my daughter's friend was there. She'd never been to Africa before. We're like, hey, we gotta hike the Helderberg, let's go do it. She was flying out that evening, so it was important that we kept track of time. So there we go, we climb all the way to the top. I've got some cool drinks in my backpack, and we're making our way through some really rough three-hour hike to get to the top. The idea is to get to the peak. You get to the peak, and then you just take a little bit of a breather and a little bit of break. You have a cool drink, and then you make the ascent, and you, and you head down. So I'm looking at my watch, and I'm thinking we're right on time. We're going we're gonna to make it back to the airport. Things are going to be good. We get to the, just off the crest of the mountain, and clearly remember there was a couple of paths, and I got a little bit confused. And there was one path that went, strangely enough, it went this way, and it kind of went that way for a long way. And there was a path to my left that kind of went a little bit left, and then it started going down. So from the top of the mountain, you can see everything. We could literally see the car park, and I could see my car down there. And so I was unsure about which way to go, so I went to the path that made sense to me. I went along the left path that started to go down the mountain. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, that path turned out to be the wrong path. That path instead went along the ridge of the mountain and actually went like the whole mountain along the ridge. I later discovered a bit of a problem. The path that to the right was the path that looked like it was going totally out of the way. It made no sense to me at all that I would go around the mountain and back that way. But it did a Z, and, and so it would go this way, then that way, then that way, and that just like the way you're supposed to go down a mountain. The short of it is we made it to the airport just in time. She made her flight. But the, 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 the obvious illustration here is that you can, you can look at a path like that, and it's like, there's, there's no way. There's no way I'm going that way. It makes no sense to me to go that way. Even as I share that, some of you are in the middle of a, of a mountain crossroad. You're thinking about which way down the mountain you're going to go, and you're not sure because that way looks like there's no way that's the way God's taking me. But what if that's the Z path that gets you down to the place where he wants you? Yeah, but Tom, that, that path over there looks rocky, and it's going the opposite way, and that's exactly what God may want to do with you. I like to listen to music, and I listen to all kinds of music. 
and we'll often have my, I listen to music when I run, I listen to music when I'm just hanging out in our flat. And so on my playlist, this old song came up, a song by Bill Withers. Some of you probably don't know who Bill Withers is, but you might remember this song that he became famous for. The lyrics go something like this. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Some of you want to start doing this right now, right? Some of you like ready to go with me? Just call on me, brother. Anybody know the song? When you need a friend, we all need somebody. I just might have a problem. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Uh, kind of bad theology in the song. You, you can, sorry, after I made you sing it, right? Yeah. The only person who will ever make sense in your life is Jesus Christ. You, you can only lean on him. There'll be times when you will have a friend and a shoulder to cry on. Praise God for brothers and sisters in Christ who help us through difficulties. But if you're turning to a brother and sister in Christ and you're counting on them to carry you through the load, you've missed the mark of the passage of Scripture. You want to lean on the Lord to trust the Lord. Proverbs 14 12 says it like this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts his own heart is like a fool. Our first word is trust. Our second word, let's look at our third word then. This will be the last and then we'll close. Let me read the whole passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean unto your own understanding. And watch this next phrase but in all your ways. So up there in verse five, it was with all of your heart. Now he's saying with all of your ways, you're to acknowledge him. Pastor Dave called me and said, hey, Tom, I've got an opening in February. I'd like you to preach that, that Sunday. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be great. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. He said, hey, I need a text right away. I just happened to be studying this passage of scripture. And I said, hey, Pastor Dave, how about this one? He goes, perfect, let's do it. But here's what surprised me the most in my studies. That word acknowledge is actually translated with the word know. A better translation in your Bible would be, in all your ways, know him. To know him. Think about what's happening in the text. Solomon's saying, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your understanding. And then greater than just acknowledging, like, I acknowledge the Lord. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's greater than that. It's knowing who he is. I'm going to mention a world-famous football player, and you raise your hand if you know him. His name is Messi. How many of you know who Messi is? Like, whoo, any Argentinas in the group? 
Okay, so we, we've heard of Messi, right? I mean, this amazing football player, and I just asked you, let me ask again, how many of you know Messi? Raise your hand. Look at all of you who know Messi. That's like, that's like great. Well, where did you meet him, and how well do you know him? <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. I, and here's, here's the illustration. Right? I know about Messi, but I don't really know Messi. Well, really? What do you know about Messi? Messi is like the best football player in the world, led Argentina to the World Cup championship, scored seven goals in the World Cup series. He's actually kind of short, kind of surprised. He's actually not very tall. He's 38 years old. He plays for a club team in Paris. You can go on and on and on. I know his stats, but I don't know Messi. And he doesn't know me. It's different in the context of what God is saying here. Listen with all of your heart. You need to know him. You need to know him. When you know him, you can trust him. This makes sense. And if I know him, then I won't try to lean on my own understanding. Let me ask a personal question this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? As a 20-year-old university student, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. My whole life had been spent by going to a church, and up on the big altar there was Jesus Christ on a cross hanging with his head down. So I knew Jesus Christ as a little boy in the church that I went to, as, as the person that I saw every Sunday when I went and looked at him up on the cross. I knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I knew that Jesus Christ died for my sins, but I never really knew Jesus Christ until somebody introduced me to him through the gospel and said, you can have a personal relationship with the living God. That, that just blew me away. Um, I'm, I'm like at this point 17 years old and I'm hearing the gospel for the first time. How can this be? Some of you have been hearing the gospel for years. You're part of our gathering today and yet in your own heart you would admit, I know about Jesus Christ, but I don't know Jesus Christ. May today be the day of salvation for your soul. You can give your life to Jesus Christ today and be born again. Jesus in his prayer, the longest recorded prayer in the scripture says this, and this is eternal life that they know you, meaning that you know the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.20 says it this way, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. You have, many of you, have enough intellectual, heartfelt understanding. The problem is you won't trust him. You won't trust him. Give yourself to the Lord. Trust him. He's worthy to be followed. He is who he says he is, and he's never broken one promise, including the ones I'm giving you today. In all your ways, submit to him. Abraham Kuyper says this as we conclude. 
In the total expanse of human life, there is not a single square inch, we would say a single square centimeter of which the Christ who alone is sovereign does not declare, that is mine. That is mine. Our first word is to trust. Our second word? And our third word? Acknowledge. Back to the five questions and let's pray. If you've got those with you, I'm gonna ask you to consider what we looked at today in light of what the Lord is asking you to do. Number one, is there fear and uncertainty in front of you because of someone you don't trust? What are you gonna do? Can the broken trust ever be restored? Number three, are you worried and shaken in your faith? Number four, is there a doubt in your heart of God's promises? And then number five, are you praying anxiously for God's help? Marriage, kids, work, ministry, future, health, finances, God. Let's read the passage of Scripture one more time, and I'm going to add on the beginning of verse 7 without any explanation. It speaks for itself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Amen. Father, thank you for the preciousness of your word. Father, we prayed and asked you to speak to us. Father, move in our hearts in a, in a greater fashion to trust, lean, and acknowledge to know you. And it's in your son's precious name that all of us pray these things. Amen.